Welcome to the Live Your Dance Podcast. My name is Molly King, and I'm a former corporate working girl turned author, dancer, and coach. Each week we come together to celebrate someone who has found their metaphorical dance and listen to their insights in order to inspire you to find and live your dance. Thanks for tuning in and joining me today. Now, let's dance. Hey guys, I have an awesome show for y'all coming up in just a few minutes. I have Katie Walter on the show this week, and she's an actress, model, humanitarian, coach, amazing friend. She just does it all. And I wanted to publish this episode in particular because she and her partner are hosting an event in LA later this month, January 30th, that I wanted to tell you about. It's called One Risk. And she'll give you a little more about it in the podcast. But just for now, know that they're running a special for registration and it ends on midnight, January 20th. So that's in only a day. So I wanted to get this out as soon as possible to support her and their mission to help people break through whatever challenges may be coming up in your life. And I wish I could be there, but I already know through my experiences with Katie that she is a life changer, and I have no doubt that this is going to be one power-packed, life-changing day. So please look it up online. It's One Risk, One Heart. That's all spelled out, O-N-E, risk, O-N-E, heart.com. And check them out because this is an incredible opportunity. She and her partner are actually flying back from Bali, Indonesia, just to host this event. So that'll tell you how special it really is. Let's dive on in, but I wanted to give you that heads up first, and you guys are in for a treat. This podcast is really special, and if you want more Katie Walter, please support her and go to her event in LA on January 30th. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention, we have a special bonus at the end of the track. I had the distinct pleasure of getting to record again with Katie, but now, four months later, and she has taken a huge step away from her normal quote-unquote life, which was never normal. She had a crazy schedule, but now she's doing all of what she does from Southeast Asia, and stay tuned all the way to the end because she gives you a little recap on how that happened and how she feels even more like she's living her dance as she allows spontaneity to take its course in her life and how it's been a beautiful unfoldment. So I'm really excited to bring that to you too. We have a kind of a time capsule. The first part was recorded back in October. This next part was recorded just a few days ago in January 2016, and we get to see a full picture of Katie. It's pretty exciting. So let's get to it. Stinking excited to have Katie Walter on my show today. She has been a longtime friend, supporter on the journey, as well as someone who inspires me and many, many other people I know. And I will dive into everything that she's doing, but essentially as a speaker, model, actress, humanitarian, 
her reach is far and wide and she is living her dance in so many ways that I cannot wait to sit down with you and divulge all of what's going on and dive into how you're doing it and how you got to be where you are. And Katie, I'm just so excited to be with you today. Woohoo, Molly King, I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am. We've been trying to do this for like months. This long, is long time. so exciting. In this... fact, this morning I woke up and I was so excited that, I mean, let's be honest, last night we connected and we're like, what about tomorrow? Does that work? Yeah. And I was actually meant to be in Nepal right now. So the reason I have two weeks of an open calendar is because I'm not in Nepal building a school. Uh, but this morning I was so excited. It felt like Christmas morning that it was my call with Molly. And I channeled my inner Molly and I went for a run. And you know I love to work out, but running is not my favorite. So I decided to go running with Molly and uh, went for a run and then jumped in my pool and um, then realized, holy moly, it's almost time for the call. (laughs) And so, yeah, here I am in my wet head and my towel. So Perfect. sorry to all of the listeners. Um, but you know, nothing <laughs> like, like a good we keep it post-swim spicy. interview. Yeah. yeah. That's what good. it's all about, living your dance. My yeah. dance is my swim. <laughs> As it should be. And, you know, I'm sure Nepal will work out, but, you know, sorry for them. But thankfully, on my side, I'm so glad this worked out. And yeah, last minute is totally fine. I'm so grateful that you emailed and was like, hey, can we make this work? And we're doing it. So um, thank you for having me. I'm very honored to um, be a part of this. So thank you. Of course. You were top of my list when I started making my list. So no questions there. But I want to dive in real quick. Maybe you can give me a better overview than what I just gave them. But what are you up to? Give me kind of the 20,000 foot view and then we can dive <laughs> in and zoom in. Okay, lovely. The 20,000 foot view. Um, well, you know, you mentioned actress. Acting was always my passion growing up. I was very fortunate to have success in living in New York as an actress, in London, in LA as an actress. And I'm still doing the acting thing. Once an actress, always an actress. Mm -hmm. But I lost the drive and passion for that about three years ago when I was, um, doing some coaching and some transformational work and coaching people. And all of a sudden I was seeing such magic happen in people's lives that the script wasn't as alluring. Hmm. So still have my agents and I still go out when I get called uh, and people joke all the time. They're like, but what if you were to book a Paramount feature tomorrow? Uh, And so often, right? It's as soon as we let go of something that then it shows up in a big way. And I crossed that bridge when I got to it. But acting um, has shockingly to me, And that was a very interesting part of my journey was the willingness to let go of the thing that had been my number one for most of my life. Interesting. Um, Acting is more of a back burner right now. Okay. Modeling, uh, which came into my life when I was 16, um, that is still present. Uh, Nothing like the New York City market out here in L.A. It's much smaller. Yeah. Uh, The plus size industry is small in and of itself, but especially out in L.A. versus New York. So... I model from time to time. I just flew to New York for a shoot. I was just in Kansas City for a photo shoot. Um, Working in LA from time to time. But it's not at all a full-time gig anymore. Okay. Uh, And this year, it's been all about humanitarian trips. I started uh, fundraising last year and with my teams have raised over $90,000. Wow. 
The three big trips were to Haiti, Nepal, and Malawi. Wow. And um, it's just, it's been an amazing journey. So we raised all of that money. And then the first trip was to Malawi, Africa. And just stunning. Um, That was in May. And are you building schools in each location? Or is it a different mission for each one? Yeah. So uh, the Malawi trip and the Nepal trip are with an organization called Build On. BuildOn.org. They do amazing work. Um, And usually, to be honest, I kind of hesitate to join with nonprofits because, I don't know, this might sound super wrong, but uh, (laughs) I don't want to go to a foreign country and be surrounded by a bunch of white people from Hollywood. Right. Um, So I have been all about, you know, like I love when I travel, whether it's with humanitarian trips or vacations, to just leave the big cities and get into the culture and the people. And Build On is all about cultural exchange. They're all about... um, a sharing and a partnership, right? We're not coming from the United States of America to put a Band-Aid on you because you live in, you know, in a third world country in Africa. Like, we're here to partner. I remember one of my favorite quotes uh, during that trip that was shared was something like, if you've come to, it was was by an Aboriginal uh, who had had been receiving aid from workers from out of the country. And she said something like, if you have come to help me or fix my seeming broken situation, then I do not need, then I do not want it. But if you have come here because your freedom is directly tied in with mine, then let us work together and and build. Mm. Um, and I'll have to look that up. Maybe by then I'll call it find that exact quote. But that's great, um, that's what build on yeah. is all about. And so building schools and creating. Um, an opportunity for education all over the world for kids and even adults uh, that don't have it. And the Haiti trip was also with a school, but I had been in Haiti last year, the trip that I took on my own, and friends saw what I was doing and said, we want to go. So I led a group of my friends oh, great. to Haiti, back to the school that I visited last year, and we had raised the money and built them a bathroom. Um, a lot oh. of times in Haiti, the kids will leave school because the bathrooms are so bad, but they don't to use the bathroom, but they don't want to come back. So then they just ditch school for the rest of the day. So uh-huh. having a bathroom for them was actually a pivotal part of their education. Interesting. So, um, yeah. Um, so we went back and built that, and that's what that's what 2015 has been all about. And still speaking, and right now my big focus is on working uh, my newest program, uh, my partner and I, that's been, if we talk about the real juice of 2015, <laughs> oh, okay. um, I met an amazing man in February of this year, and in our now seven months together, we traveled over 30,000 miles, and he joined me for all the humanitarian trips. Um, he was meant to be with me in Nepal right now. That trip has been postponed because of the civil unrest and the dangerous um, setting that it's posing for us now. Okay. Um, but anyhow, he, uh, is amazing and it's been a huge part of my year growing and learning 
about him and myself and relationship. And he and I, he's also a speaker. He's been coaching professionally for 16 years. So he's very established in that domain. And he and I have been working together to create a program called One Risk, mm-hmm. which is beautiful, beautiful thing, which we can talk about more later, I'm sure. Yes. But anyway, yes. One Risk, One Heart, those are our current focuses. And so launching that and taking that all over the world and like that. So that's the <laughs> bird's eye view. Awesome. Wow. Oh, I went off on a couple tangents in there. No, that's great. And as I have a similar life, I know how it goes when someone asks, oh, so what do you do? It's like, well, (laughs) how do I boil this down for you? So I I know the feeling and the struggle of having a multi-passionate life and being able to do all those things is such a gift and I'm so glad to see that you're doing it. So tell me more. I would love to dive into a couple things um, that you just mentioned. So I'll, I'll take them off bite by bite. Um, but let's start with even, I kind of want to rewind a little bit and go back to your discovery that acting was not for you. And because that has led to what you're able to do now. And I think that's a big thing for people who have identified themselves as one kind of thing. Like as if people only knew mm. me as a dancer, then I wouldn't feel free to go do, you know, to work on my patent project or to work on my business or other things that also fill me up. And I think it's important to recognize that all of us don't have just one passion. And how was that for you to recognize that this, this thing, this acting thing that you had done for so long was no longer a huge passion? What was that process like for you? Well, for one, it was very shocking. Um, I literally acting had been my number one motivator my entire life. Uh, and I was very blessed to be successful in it. Uh, but to the point where I would... I was nervous because I always knew I wanted to be a wife and mother, but I was nervous of how can I be an amazing wife and mother and also have the level of career that I'm committed to having. Um, So once that all, that drive for acting started to fade, to be honest, there was almost a sense of relief. Okay. uh, Because all of a sudden I thought, oh, well, lovely. It's beautiful that this is fading (laughs) right as I would enter the years that it would seem perfect for marriage and motherhood. So that's one one tidbit. And you know, and I'm all about like leaving no stones unturned. That's a huge mantra for me in my life. Hmm. Leaving no stones unturned and just being open. So I continue to take the steps to forward my acting career. Okay. Even once I started having that inkling of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go audition. I don't want to go do plays with this friend who's begging me to do their thing or their film. Like, I want to be coaching these people and I want to be creating magic in their lives. And why am I feeling pulled? So I decided to give myself just the space to explore. So, but also not be humanly willful that just because I had spent the first 23 years of my life focused on this and so many people had made sacrifices in supporting me in that for so many years Um, I didn't want to be willful in making it happen but I also didn't want to flush it down the toilet so for probably two years and I'm still kind of doing it in a way I just took some of the steps that I would always take as an actress 
uh, to further my career while also being so involved with the coaching that I was so passionate about and loved so much mm. and just let it be and didn't judge it, didn't try to answer it um, or make a decision on it, just let it be. So that was definitely a big part of the process for me. Um, and I think because I wasn't hard on myself in that and I wasn't trying to analyze it and figure it out, I had the space and the safety to to create, uh, to let be, to have things unfold and manifest in an organic way mm -hmm. that I felt very comfortable with. And to this day, I don't have any negative feelings or fears like, oh, could I have done more? Should I have done more? Or am I crazy? It just feels very right. And one of the things that I have to say has been so beautiful, especially since um, launching these seminars and programs and writing these curriculums uh, with Carl, with One Risk, my partner, is to see how my life up to this point unfolded perfectly to bring me to this point. Every mm. acting class I sat in, every play I read, the humanity that I learned and the compassion that I learned as an actress and the ability to see people in a different light and experience people has led me to this moment. So comfortable on stages. I thought it was going to be Broadway stages. It had been up till this point, hmm. but now it's more about me speaking. And, you know, there are speakers who make 20,000, 30,000 a gig and they still are very uncomfortable on stage. Yeah. That was training that I had. So anyway, bottom line is, I mean, part of my journey has been seeing how everything leading up to this moment, even though it shifted, has not at all been wrong or not valuable because my course changed. Right. changed. Right. In fact, it's amazing to see just how valuable it all has been to bring me to this very moment and meeting this man and becoming partners in launching us to the next level. No, I'm not, you know, on a soundstage right now and I'm not writing my Oscar speech like I thought I would be. <laughs> very humble I am. But uh, I'm doing other things that drive me in amazing ways and my life perfectly unfolded for this result, even though it was different than what I imagined my whole life. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and that's beautiful. I love that idea to just know that wherever we are on the journey, it's the perfect place for us. And instead of saying, ugh, like I wish I was somewhere else and creating kind of resistance to the current moment, what it then does is open us up and say, okay, if this feels like friction, maybe this is shaping me. Maybe this is like guiding me in the way that I should be going ultimately. If you believe in fate and all those things. But either way, if everything is happening for us rather than to us, that's just a different mindset to bring to absolutely. the situation. And it sounds like it you've been doing so that. so many doors. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I can tell that the same joy that you had in your acting, and I've, I've seen you kind of in that world just a little bit and then modeling a little bit, but the way I see you light up when you're on stage and when you are actually walking in the audience and talking to people and connecting and, and asking those questions that bring out discovery, like that to me is where I see you coming alive, as well as on your trips, although I haven't seen you firsthand, but 
from from yeah. the pictures and from Instagram and everything, it just it looks like you're on fire when you're out there and and in all of your different shades. So that's what kind of caught my eye, and I was like, wait, there's something more going on than just a model slash actress. There's a you know <laughs> you are much more of a deep thinker and and a thoughtful go getter than most I think so that's what drew me to you and and what have you found as you've gone through this year and on all your trips what's been some of the insights or the highlights that you've had on on your humanitarian trips I think one of my favorites is to look back on Africa and like I said I've never been about doing humanitarian work from the perspective of I'm coming to fix you you know like because I have AC I know something more about the world than right. you're deprived, so let me give that to you. <laughs> when we were in Africa, we lived with the villagers. So each oh, of great. the members of the team, we got what we called our like our mom and dad for the week. That's awesome. So Carl and I literally lived in the home of some of the villagers that we were then working side by side to build a school with. Ugh, and that's awesome. being in their space and in their atmosphere, you know, we look at those thatched roof huts and cooking over fire. And we see so often in America, I think we see this sense of like, oh, you know, they just, they don't have what we have. And I will tell you, and this is cliche because we all know it, but to have experienced it on such a intimate level, they have so much. Yeah. The richness of the soul and spirit and culture and joy because they don't have all of the distractions and the BS and really the ego. A huge thing for me, Molly, was a lot of the, first of all, a lot of the people in the village had never seen white people. Mm -hmm. We were in the outskirts. Um, And, you know, some of them actually ran away when we first got there, children especially. And even until we left, there was still kids who would hide behind others because they were scared. They had never seen these white things before. (laughs) Uh, And uh, one of the most mind-blowing things to me was realizing that a lot of the villagers had never actually seen their own faces because they don't have mirrors. And the river that goes near the village isn't stagnant. You know, it's kind of murky. Um, And it was always moving. So it wasn't like a clear still pond where you see your reflection. So we would take a picture of, of them and then, and show it. And a couple, like a couple of times people actually put their hand to their face and touched it because they had never seen their own image. And that really lasted. That hit me in a big way Hmm. um, because I thought to myself, and this would be an interesting question maybe for the viewers to ask themselves, like if I didn't have so much of my identity bound up with, my likeness, um, with the way that I look, because I perceive my face as so much of who I am. Cause I think that's very common. I mean, it definitely is as obviously in the model and the acting world, right. but I think that that's a pretty big thing, you know, across the U S um, the way that we look, the way that we dress, the cars we drive, the size of our homes, all of those things play such a big role in how we identify ourselves. And they didn't have any of those as Mm. social status indicators. Right. So it was just so freeing to realize that. And when I really let it settle in, like who I was being and me, somebody who talks on this stuff and supposedly has had all this work, done all this work and 
transformational work and spiritual work and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, even I was like, it had a huge effect on me, um, being just completely disconnected from the world for a week, not seeing my own image. And you know what? True story. I'll just, you know, put it out there, share, share this not proud of myself moment. When we got back on the bus to drive a couple of hours back to the town where there was actually a hotel we could stay in that would then we could drive to the airport the next day. Um, we were in the boondocks. Um, hmm. There was a mirror in the bathroom and there was something, and this is when it really like got me in my core. I was washing my hands and I looked up and I saw my face for the first time in a week. And there was something that washed over me as like a relief, like, Oh, poof, there I am. <laughs> and it, like, it's such a hard experience to describe. So I don't know if this would be, be valuable for anybody else other than me, but I was sad that I felt like I had myself again because I had my face in front of me. And like, it's, it really is crazy. I mean, if you, if people want to try to take a week where you put papers over your mirrors and don't look in any reflections uh, of yourself, like what it creates is very powerful. And I was a bit disappointed in myself to see that I was actually relieved to see that and how much of my identity, even though I speak in schools on how our physicality should not have anything to do with how we dictate our value or our worth, or that we connect to ourselves through it, whether we like it or we don't, we still connect to ourselves Yes. through that energy, through that choosing, through that choice, uh, right? We have the people who walk around all day hating the way they look, hating how they show up in the world, and then you have the people who walk around and they want everybody to know how amazing they are, <laughs> and then you've got everybody in between, but pausing and just, I don't know, I'm going on and on about this but no I, I think uh, it's a valid point and I'll I have more to add when you finish your thought here yeah so so that's just that was a big part of of the takeaway from the Africa trip what were you gonna add I love it because it is a rare opportunity and I call it an opportunity for a reason to detach from valuing ourselves based on how we look and I thankfully there were times when I went to an all-girls summer camp for most of my upbringing and at different points they would sometimes cover the mirror with just brown butcher paper and they would do that in our bathrooms and then in our little uh, changing rooms where we had a mirror as well and it was the the gift that I got from that and I've since gotten to do it with camping you know on a seven seven day backpacking trip you don't care no one cares um, and you don't shower, and you're dirty, and everyone smells, and you just let it happen. Um, right, those are my favorite. Oh, so good. And I think, I I think it's a rare thing that anyone in our our what's it called modern culture gets to do that, because I realize that it allows me to stop thinking about it. And and my sad aha moment is that wow, I spend so much time thinking about myself, in those terms visually and how do I measure up and how do I compare oh good I, I look better than that person oh shoot I don't look as good as that person or whatever it is going on in the chatter of my mind um, but when I'm in those rare opportunities all of a sudden that voice qu 
quiets down. It has nothing to fuel that conversation. And that's where I see the value. And, and maybe just seeing that visual of yourself in the mirror was more like, oh, there's that, that visual to connect with that conversation. And it's just something to notice, I think. It, you know, it's just something to be aware of now that you've experienced the other extreme, which, which I think is super valuable. I hope people t- take that chance to do it either with camping or even in your own home or something. I know a lot of people have professional lives and you have to look presentable and it's all about, you know, how the package looks. There could be a time on a weekend when you just choose not to look yeah, and it's see true. what it does. Because our energy, if, if all of our thought wasn't going in so much to thinking about all of those things that you've mentioned, imagine the work we could be doing exactly. for our businesses, the thought that we could put into our businesses to our giving and how to be yeah, giving in the world, our relationships, and to prayer, spirituality, whatever it is, meditation. And I did that back. I remember when I was living back in New York, I did that thing where I took butcher paper and I covered all of my mirrors for like a month, but you still see yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that really hit me about the Malawians was I feel like so much of their source of joy and freedom and just the way that they were, you could feel it being in the village. And that's what really hit was Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling is because they are so not wrapped up in their identity, that they can create community. Oh. Uh, and the, the chief who gave a speech during the welcome ceremony and spoke a bit of English, he said, I love thinking of community as common unity. Ooh. And I had never heard that. Isn't that a good one? That's great. Uh, common unity. And when we get ourselves out of the way, the level of common unity that can be experienced and achieved is Oh, it's just so, so moving. So, uh, yeah, That's, that was definitely a highlight from the, one of the trips. I love that. And I've done some extensive travel to third world countries as well. And it always, I, I thought I would get used to this, but it still surprises me or, or at least inspires me to find that people in countries that we deem less fortunate than the U.S. or the westernized world, that that they seem many times more happy than us in general. Big time. Like, oh, man. Hugely. Yeah. And it just, and it has been really inspiring for me since I quit the corporate job and the flights and the, you know, everything that comes along with a beautiful job with a corporate card and all the things that happens. <laughs> but, um, you know, selling most of my things. And now for the past, gosh, year and a half, I'm looking at everything I'm bringing with me right now, and it's one shelf of clothing and then some gear. And even this, I'm like, ugh, it feels like too much. Like, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's been really nice okay. to let go of the stuff because I'm realizing that so much of our lives is spent on managing our stuff, moving it from Eight. one storage place to another, moving it from one house to another, or worrying about it if you get in a car crash or you know, if your house burns down, all that stuff that has now gone away. And it's like, what, why do we hold on to this? What is the purpose? Um, and I've been really inspired by some friends recently, and this is a total tangent, but who've been, my friends have been cleaning out things. And there was a book about, gosh, I'll have to find the name. It's something about the Zen of cleanliness or something like that. 
And they say to really just keep anything that's either beautiful or functions or brings you joy. And that's it. And that idea, I mean, to just only be surrounded by things that bring you pleasure visually or function or bring you joy, that's it. How freeing that is. And I, I just, I love that. But anyway. That's beautiful. And you know, it's funny. Do you recall what we did on the second day ever that we met face to face? We moved my stuff. Yes, we cleaned out your storage unit and we packed it into a U-Haul and we did a road trip. That right. How's that for a first date? Yeah. Oh, hey, what's um, your name? Come across the country with me. Great. There you go. Good well, and I just, on that great. note, like I am, I've always been a minimalist. One of the things actually that I do on the side uh, that started back in New York and I haven't done it too much lately uh, just because I've been so busy, but kind of a side thing because I'm so passionate about organizing. I'm the dork who shows up at somebody's house and asks for a glass of water and comes back and I've organized the fridge and you know everything is tidy and You're thrown away anything expired because <laughs> I just I love it a little OCD I won't lie. Yep, um, me too. <laughs> but like minimalism there is so much value in it and that's the other way in society I don't relate to it as much um, because I've always been a minimalist but that people wrap their identity in what they have. And that's why we're a society of more and more and more because we think that the more we have, the greater our identity. The more Mm -hmm. powerful we are, the bigger impact we can have. And I, like you, have found the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those people in Africa had very little in their list of gotta take this when I move next. And their life was completely freed up. and I've always been. My f- clients have paid me big money to come in and purge, purge, purge. And the the sigh of relief that is breathed when that yes. occurs, yes. it's a game changer. It really is. So tape up your mirrors, everybody listening. <laughs> Cover them up and then get rid of all of your crap. <laughs> Those are... And our... call. What need we say more? Yep. We've fixed the world and we're done. <laughs> I no, I love it. And I mean, it just, and I don't even have a home right now. Like that's how much I'm not into stuff. Cause I'm like, ah, yeah. I don't want to put my, uh, no, just not in that. I probably will be at some point later in my life, but right now. And there's nothing wrong with having a beautiful home. Absolutely. No, no, yes, um, right. We're not saying that, but clutter, it clutters the insides just as much as it clutters your shelves. It's true. And I think a lot of it goes to motivation too. Am I in the big home? You know, there are people who have big homes because they want to share it and they want it to bless a lot of people or because, you know, this is the result of so much hard work, you know, but there are other people too who the big home and the fancy cars become their identity. And that's where that line becomes, that's a slippery slope. And that's leaving yourself vulnerable to external circumstances to define you rather than defining it within yourself. And that's I still word I'm out. Yes. <laughs> we just, we share those. Yeah. So anyway, that was a great tangent. Thank you, Katie. We're good at tangents. <laughs> we, that's our other profession out of all of the other ones. Um, I love it. I love it. So what would you say kind of just zooming out again, you do a lot of different work, quote unquote. But to me, I, I just see you having a lot of fun. 
And <laughs> what's what's kind of your philosophy on work these days? Because I know you're a hard worker and you love to dive in and dig deep. But to you or to me, it looks like you it's not a burden. So how have you managed to create that energy around what sure. you call your work? Yeah. First of all, I do. You're right. Um, and thank you. That's a major compliment. I don't feel like I've worked a day in my life. Hmm. And some people might say, well, great. That's great that that unfolded for you, but I have mouths to feed and I have a mortgage to pay. Right. And how am I supposed to create that in my life? I didn't get to move to New York when I was 16. Like, you know, whatever, my life circumstances are different. And I totally hear that. Um, there's not a day that I don't take for granted the blessings of my life path. And I will say that each of us are given opportunities continuously. And it's much more about how we hold our life path than what our life path is. Just the other day, uh, Carl and I were talking and he said, you know, where I came from isn't so important. My come from mm. is everything. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, and that's very powerful. And um, I saw a quote uh, on Instagram recently that said, if money, if money didn't exist, if there was no such thing as money, would you still wake up every single day and do what you do. And I'm not going to encourage everybody to quit their job just because they're not passionate about it. But sometimes it's not about what we do and it's about how we be. Yes. So if I'm a, if I'm a janitor or I'm the garbage guy, you know, I want to make sure that all the kids in my school, when I'm scrubbing the floors, that they see me and they're like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's the janitor. And I want to bring joy and love. And I want to live from my, my joy. And I, maybe I don't love scrubbing floors and toilets all day, but I love kids. And then I, all of a sudden my job is about the fact that I get to create a beautiful space for kids to have an education. And I get to make sure that they feel like they're, they're little Harvard ready beings because I just scrubbed that floor yeah. or I get to be the guy on the back of the garbage truck who waves at the neighbors and who, um, yeah. who is creating, you know, cleanliness for the world, no matter what our situation is, we can, and people, you know, call me out all the time. They're like, will you stop cherry coating everything? And why do you always have to make everything so rosy? I'm a cockeyed optimist, hundred <laughs> um, percent. But that's the come from that. Like I am never, I was having a conversation about this the other day. So he's like, why are you never happy, unhappy? And it's like, it is not at all that my life has not had trials. Um, my relationships have had struggles. Um, my life has not at all been easy, but how I choose to look at it dictates my results mm -hmm. and how everything is unfolding in, in the midst of it all. And to be honest, I think that that's part of why I've attracted so many beautiful opportunities in my life is because I am so insistent on seeing the world through the lens of possibility. And for me, it's a God conversation. I'm a very spiritual person. To me, God is love. God is gravity. Um, I don't believe in a, in a God in the sky who plays you know chess with the story of our lives. Right. Um, but I believe in the God of love that is abundant provision, that we are there with our little cup of, tea, like our little teacup standing at the bottom of Niagara Falls. And there is so much good and possibility being poured forth all the time that 
as long as we're open to receiving it and in gratitude for what is, even if what is is so small, that we will attract into our experience that much more of it. And what was your question? I totally went off on a tangent. Oh, that's okay. And I'm I'm right there with you because I actually, I just, I love that idea that what we focus on is what we feel and then what our thought rests upon becomes our experience. And so right. exactly what we're talking about with work is that if your work, if you're experiencing it as drudgery or as a burden or resentment for whatever, that you're not getting paid enough, that this is, you know, whatever the circumstance, then that's going to be your experience. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, is that a lot of people, no matter what they're doing, they're either always happy or they're always not happy. Your circumstance has nothing to do with where Mm -hmm. you're at in life. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty bold statement, but I would, you know, if I'm somebody who wants to look for an issue, and we all have those friends where it's like, oh my gosh, everything is always <laughs> such a pain in the butt for them. Yeah. Because often their context, their come from, is that burdensome, life is crap, I can't get ahead mentality. You know, uh, I love the, the imagery of a teacup, like if you draw a teacup on white paper, no matter what you put in that teacup, if you put milk, it takes the shape of the teacup. If you put coffee, it takes the shape of the teacup. Water, soda, vodka, whatever you put in that teacup, yeah, it takes the shape. So if you pour dirty water into it, negative thoughts, uh, the shape doesn't change versus the $300 bottle of vodka that you pour into it. No matter what opportunities are coming into our lives, our lens, how we see it, the context that holds the content, if that doesn't shift, then it's gonna we can't affect. be surprised Yes, when things don't show up for us the way we see them showing up for everybody else. And for me, it all really begins with gratitude. Like if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, geez, stuff does feel hard for me a lot. So how do I get out of that? Coming from gratitude to me is the easiest place to begin. And it's a very healing place to begin. Absolutely. And even in the smallest, smallest of things, when we can start being grateful for what is, we create room for what isn't to show up. Um, yeah. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think as, as a practical tool, gratitude is something that I've found to be a game changer. When I am so far deep, you know, the world is awful and woe is me and whatever it is, because we all get into that no matter, I think, where we are along the journey. But there's there's really one thing that gets me out of it each time truly otherwise I just keep cycling it in different flavors of woe is me but it's really just me taking the time and I do it via journaling but other people do it in other ways too is to literally write down okay is there anything good going on right now (laughs) and you know like you said no matter how small if we start to pick those things out then we're going to start seeing more and more of it and then our our whole perspective shifts the experience shifts and etc so i i see it in in what i think tony robbins calls your emotional home and so some people's emotional home is drama or sadness or depression and then other people's emotional home is yeah finding the good and the positivity and i believe that wherever you are you can shift your emotional home it all it is is conditioning it's like training and it's a yes. muscle. And so yeah. shifting that 
just takes practice. It's not, you are not a victim to circumstance. You are never stuck. Life is not happening to hurt you and to kill your joy is the exact opposite if you're willing to see it that way. Yeah. And, and just, you know, like practical tools so that it doesn't just sound like this far off. Isn't that great for you two? But, um, you know, like the little things like, oh, uh, well, the sun set again today. I'm grateful for that. And <laughs> that bird is chirping outside my window and that's beautiful. And, oh, that person held the door open for me so I could walk in with my groceries. It can be stuff that's that small. Yeah, I see that then as being kind of your philosophy of work is where your come from is, is becomes your experience and creates yeah. opportunities or opens you to new opportunities. Is that yes. Right? And I, yes, exactly. And I will add here that, you know, I think when a lot of people think of work, they think of money, but that's their income. Work can be our passion. Work can be our gift to the world. Mm-hmm. I've used this quote so many times and it's actually the first couple of sentences of an article about work, but it can be, you know, it's, it's point on for relationships or, any of the myriad of things that we consider in our lives, but the place you seek seeks you. The place you need needs you. Principle brings need and supply together for mutual good. So we've got the principle of mathematics, we've got the principle of aerodynamics. We don't have to necessarily understand those things to fly in a jet to see our family. If we just trust that that principle is operating, that that principle of good and flow and that you have a gift that somebody else needs and you can receive the gifts of others and that there's that beautiful fitting that when we are present to that and we are open to that and we are affirming that as true for not only ourselves but for the world there's a space for that to show up and I can't tell you how many times um and I believe that's true with finances as well and I, I remember back in New York when I was first modeling and on my own it's, um, in the city. Uh, I remember something had come up and I think I was I had a big trip opportunity and uh, there was, I realized, oh man, my checking account was looking kind of low and I needed like $3,000 and some change. And I was very clear, I used those sentences I just shared, and I was very clear that for me it's, you know, God's law of abundance. Um, but if you're not comfortable with a God conversation, it doesn't have to go there. I was so clear that I was being provided for, not because I was working my tail off all day, every day, but because the universe is giving to us, I believe every day, Mm -hmm. um, in beautiful, rich ways, whether we're willing to receive it or not. Um, I affirmed that and literally it was almost to the penny, like ridiculous to hmm. the penny, the amount of a check that I got. It was from some residual payment or some shoot I had done and they wanted to use it for in-store posters. And I got this check in the mail at random <laughs> and it was just such a beautiful example of that provision. And when we are clear that it's there, not from a willful place, but from a humble place of mm-hmm. receiving good, mm-hmm. it shows up all over the place. So I think that's why you know, I know that you have a very similar mentality. And I think that's why we can do things where people ask questions like, how do you do all this stuff and never work? And <laughs> how are you affording all these trips? And, you know, yeah, yeah. For me, it's all that, that come from. 
It absolutely is. And I can't tell you, I mean, I've had so many similar moments and especially since leaving the, the comfortable, consistent paycheck that I've been scratching the bottom of the barrel and lo and behold, I was able to get, you know, two clients in one week, which covered rent for the rest of my year. And just little things like that, which actually weren't that little at the time because I thought my world was going to collapse. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just been amazing the, the that exercising of trust and continuing to do what I know I should be doing and giving and then finding that I am compensated and valued for that for that work. <clears throat> yes, and I just remember what I was going to say before. Oh, good. Um, one of my favorite things, too, on this tangent is the quote that says, when in doubt, focus out. Yes. So when things feel super crappy in your life and you don't know where to look or how to be and you're just resentful that people like us talk about, oh, life is so good and it's so easy and I don't ever have to work and I make so much money and I can travel <laughs> and you just want to shoot people like that. Um <laughs> one of my favorite things is like when in doubt, even when it's all so frustrating, focus out, whatever you want to receive, give it away. Mm -hmm. And that's been, I think a huge mantra of my life that has brought me the success and the freedom that I, that I have the blessing to experience is when I'm in my own crap, I pause and I'm like, you know what, if I want to, if I'm searching for love in that moment, or I'm searching for comfort, or I'm searching for understanding. I want to then go become the source of love, understanding, and comfort for somebody else. Yes. Uh, and that can show up again in small ways or big ways. You don't all have to travel to a third world country to create that. But when in doubt, focus out. When you're confused about your own stuff, put yourself in somebody else's shoes and go give. There have been there was an afternoon where I was so frustrated and life, like you said, it just was one of those days and it felt like it was crumbling around me. I went and granted I've got the Hollywood Walk of Fame walking distance from my house. Uh, but I literally went and I bought a whole bunch of water bottles and I just started walking the street and giving out water bottles. And to me, when I give out water bottles or a sack lunch to a homeless person, it's not the food or the water it, that I'm, that I'm giving. It's, I just want to sit down and talk to them. And that kind of opens the door to sit down and have a conversation and hear about them. And it takes you out of your own funk. Yeah. Uh, not because somebody has it worse, but because you get to create love and understanding and conversation right. with another human being. So, yeah, when in doubt, focus out. I love that. And, I mean, it goes back to the old adage, too, when we're little, when people say, if you want a friend, you have to be a friend. Yes. You know, if you want love, be love. If you want connection, yeah. be connection. If you want value and compensation in your life, add value, add something that contributes to someone else and it's it's a circle and there's no I mean that in and of itself is like a law of of mathematics kind of you know it's absolutely it's, its own operative law that goes on all the time so, and the beauty of it is so simple yeah the you know and and that's why children <laughs> have what they have because they're that childlikeness if only we could hold on to that through adulthood <laughs> yeah. um because they're not wrapped up in trying to find answers to everything and making life work life works because it just is unfolding and they're present and connected in the moment and uh yeah that sense of that spirit of childlikeness to me is so vitally important yes and and to create a distinction here childlikeness 
is not childishness. Childishness. Oh, good one. Mm-hmm. Is very clear. Expecting things and getting mad when you don't get it and feeling entitled and you know I gave this much and why didn't they give this much and yada 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 versus childlikeness just approaching that life like you said with with wonder with eyes wide open taking it in being connected you know looking for opportunities for playfulness and magic and spontaneity that's a very different come from when you're right being unabashed and unapologetic and just free to be you unattached to how others receive you just fully letting your light shine and your being here i stand i can be no other Versus immaturity. Yeah, very good that you made that decision. Yeah. Well, and we're kind of running out of time here, but I want to hear about One Risk. Tell me about what you two are doing and what what is this? I've been reading a little bit about it, but I want to know from you, what is this? And if people want to get involved, how do they? Or what's the story? Yes, absolutely. One Risk. (laughs) Um, So excited about One Risk. Uh, This is one of those where you just feel like I spoke about before, life has culminated um, in such a beautiful way to be able to share this. Uh, One Risk is all about your come from, actually. I mean, it really is. It's all about uh, how do you take on the question of what's next? What is your come from? Um, How are you showing up in the world? So that it's not so much a question of how you do what you do, but in the what of how you're being. And from there, being able to make distinctions and see what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and how that shifts your results and how you relate to risk. We call it one risk because it's program uh, usually be uh, done over a weekend, can be done in one day. Uh, it's a one day event where you are faced with risk after risk, a risk, a perceived risk. And in that moment, you get to have a very clear view of, oh, wow, how I'm relating to this firewalk, for example, Uh, how I'm relating to this is really similar to how I relate to the other quote unquote risks that show up in my life or the opportunities that show up in my life. Do I see fear? Do I shut down? Do I angry uh for everybody it's so uniquely different which is why i love this work yeah um it's so tailor-made to each of us because the hot coals are just hot coals we charge them with whatever we charge them with based on where we came from and our current come from and then you get to decide if it works for you or not so one risk we i'll just go ahead and spill the beans in one risk do fire walking and glass walking no we do way. board breaks and brick breaks and we do something else which is amazing we take the tip of an arrow and we place it in that hollowy place if you go to your throat and there's the collarbone comes together there's oh, a little yeah. dip you stick a tip of an arrow right there and you walk into the wall until you break the arrow and then you, with the partner you take eight feet of steel rebar which is what they use in construction and one person puts it on that part of their neck and the other person person puts it in the same spot and you walk into each other so that this long eight foot steel rod becomes a U in between you and at the end you get a big hug. Um, and the rebar is <laughs> in a don't... U shape in between you. So, you know, it's that and much more. But that's the risks, right? Those risks that are physically confrontive. Wow open up our eyes to when we're confronted in life, 
how we operate and where our come from leads us. And so often in life, our greatest risk is also our deepest desire, right? Mm. My greatest risk has been allowing in love and allowing in a man into my life. My dad died when I was nine. I didn't even let a guy kiss me until I was 26 years old. Like I had done a great job of pushing <laughs> men away because yeah. I was so fearful that I would be hurt. And I didn't ever want to experience the pain that I did of losing my dad. So I pushed people away. Um, I didn't ever want to be in somebody else's hands to be taken care of and then have that disappear and experience that pain. So for me, the risk of relationship was felt very great, but it was also my greatest desire was yeah. to be taken care of and have somebody that I could surrender into those arms of love and know that it would be okay, regardless of the outcome. Because right. we never know how life is going to unfold. Exactly. Um, but when people are in the one risk program, they get to see often what comes up for them in such a way that they see, oh my gosh, this is showing up all over my life. Yeah. And they get a handle on it because on the other side of those coals is accomplishment. They've achieved it. They have Victory. stepped beyond the mundane yeah. and it creates such a fire in people's hearts that they find their bliss, they find their purpose, and then they can go and create it in the world because they've had such a tangible experience of that hearing that arrow crack or listening to the glass crunch beneath them knowing that they achieved it all without a scratch, with no burn, with no cut, with none of the things that we think are gonna happen to us when we're willing to quit the day job like you did, Molly, yeah. or when we're willing to, you know, fall in love. Uh, so that's, that's, I think, you know, the concise way to talk about One Risk. Um, if people wanna check out more, they can go to www.onerisconeheart.com one is spelled out O-N-E, so onerisconeheart.com. And like I said, if anybody's in the Los Angeles area, but this is our only open to the public event okay. that we are doing in Los Angeles. Good A lot know. of the other events are corporate. So oh. yeah, does that, awesome. does that answer one risk? Yes, definitely. And I'll put all that info in the show notes too, so people can go directly Great. to it. That'll be awesome. Well, I'm, I'm super excited for this endeavor with one risk and with the rest of your projects that you're doing. And, and I love to just seeing the full effulgence of Katie Walter being able to be accessed and utilized. Cause that to me says a lot about what living your dance really truly is. And that's what we all can do in different avenues throughout our life. And maybe it's not all at one time, but throughout all the different chapters of our life. It's, oh, it reminds me of that quote. Maybe you've heard it where it's like, I don't want to get to the finish line and say, oh, I had a little more in me. I want to get to the yeah. finish line, like screaming through on, you know, like a bobsled with like mud over me and like totally spent and be like, whew, what a ride, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. That's what I see you doing. And that's what I love so much. But well, thank um, you. Yeah. And and I just want to say, like, one of the things, you know, and thank you, Molly, for all that you are and all that you give and how you show up in the world and inspiring all of us to take our biggest steps and be willing to leave the old for the new, the known for the unknown. You and I have always laughed about the <laughs> synchronicity of our lives and how aligned, I feel like you're a soul sister, we have always been, Absolutely. like, ridiculous. And from our thoughts to the actual circumstances of our lives at different moments. Yeah. And I do want to be clear that, you know, I don't think we're inviting people to 
quit their jobs or try to figure out a way that their life can look like ours. It's not about anybody's life looking like the structure of ours. We happen to match so we can talk through it in a very like, oh yeah, that's just like mine. Yeah. But, <laughs> Good point. you know, stay at home moms who aren't going to just go start traveling the world and doing road trips and, you know, but how you can create your dance in motherhood when you've got six kids every morning to get off to school and homework to do and groceries to buy and meals to cook. How, how can you create that dance in your life? And if you are in a job right now that doesn't feel like you're passionate about it, but it also feels like there's not a, another opportunity, don't quit your job and, and make a, a, a decision that is unwise, right? right? That's not at all what I'm speaking to, but it really is a matter of what is the dance that you can live where you're at right here, right now. And the more practice we get in dancing through any of life's moments, the better we get on the dance floor and the dance floor becomes broader and wider and it's powerful. And Molly, you have lived such a beautiful dance and you've inspired so many to do that. It's just exciting. It's exciting to see all of the unique ways that each of us dance through life. And thank goodness we don't all have the same dance because that would be boring. I don't want to watch tango all day, all the time. <laughs> I love tango, but, you know, some I, salsa and hip hop make agree. me happy from time to time. I agree. Well, thank you. You verbalized, you know, what I've been trying to say in many different ways, but I love the way you just put that. And that's why it's living your dance, not live my <laughs> dance <laughs> or live right. Katie's dance. It's right. really unique to each of us. And that's what I love about the whole concept um and let me ask you my few favorite questions as we wrap up here but let's go into what are you most grateful for today Ooh, today i'm really grateful today uh for the the run and the swim i just took it was it's been a while i've been so busy with taking care of everybody else which is definitely something that is a pitfall for me that I took that time this morning to go for my, my run and swim. And I'm feeling very, very grateful that I had that time. Uh, that's beautiful. And I'm grateful that we get to talk too. You mentioned onerisk1heart.com, but where else can we find you online? What are some good places to connect with Katie Walter? I would love it if you all would come connect with me. That would be marvelous. Please do. <laughs> My website is katiewalter.com. K-A-T-I-E-W-A-L-T-E-R.com. I'm sure Molly's going to put that in the thing anyway. I didn't mm -hmm. have to spell it out. But um, katiewalter.com. And from there, you can uh, see a little bit more about all of my different tabs of life. Uh, but also, more importantly, connect with me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, because I would actually love to hear from you guys. My favorite thing about doing interviews and speaking and touring and doing stuff like that is hearing from people. Uh, whenever I speak, my number one priority is speaking as little as possible, because to me, it's in the interaction and the hearing that I find the richness. So uh, I would love it. Uh, if anybody wanted to reach out and write, um, you can do so via my website or any of my social media links that you'll find there. So yeah, katiewalter.com and then onerisk1heart.com right now are the best vehicles to connect. Beautiful, and let's do that. Let's definitely start the conversation online, or I should say continue it, and I'll connect and see what we can create together. The 
common unity of all of us. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> all right. And my last and favorite question, what to you is living your dance? Mm, that's a big one. <laughs> what to me is living my dance? You know what? It probably boils down to, for me, Molly, uh, living my dance is knowing that it's not my feet that are making the movements. Uh, it's not my feet that are guiding. Living my dance is a surrender to the music. And to me, that music is God and spirit, love, whatever vocabulary word you want to put with it. It is letting go and feeling that bass beat that is the law of abundance, the law of goodness, of supply and demand, of love. And the more freed up we become, just like dancers, the more freed up we become, the more beautiful our, mo our movements and our motions. It's not about doing the right move. It's about being in sync with the music. And oh. yeah, oh. that's what comes up. That was beautiful. I love that. I might have to like tattoo that somewhere. <laughs> that, I love that idea that the music is God. That's well, thank great. you. I have a great quote actually. It's really perfect for that. And you'll love it as the live your dance queen. Ooh, bring but it on. It says, God is a DJ. Life is the dance floor. Love is the rhythm. You are the music. I changed it to we are the music. But Ooh. I think that's super powerful. And Ooh. really I found that quote that I terribly botched earlier Ooh, yes. from the um, Australian Aboriginal um, who was speaking to a North American aid worker. She said, if you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. And that's on my Instagram uh, feed as well so people can find it. But Heck yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Katie, I'm Thank so, you, Molly. so glad this worked out. Finally. Me too. Beyond grateful. It's been months and months in the coming and clearly it was meant to be today because that's what happened. Well, so. and we almost did record it. I remember in February and then stuff was going on with you and stuff was going on with me, not surprisingly. And <laughs> then we were like, let's just touch base when we're both in a much more grounded, peaceful place. And that was today. And I'm, I think it was, like you said, it was perfect and just the way it should be. So thank, thank you, you so much, love bug. Ugh, so good. And thus we end part one. Now let's continue with part two, but this time we connect with Katie in Southeast Asia. And any feedback you hear in the background is just crickets and locusts from the heat of Indonesia. Let's go listen in. Yeah, I would love to know either the impetus or the result or both of how things have shifted from where you were in your life in L.A. Well, uh, the story of it is actually quite beautiful, Molly. The I think it was mid-November, my roommate um, let me know that she was considering a move, which was a big decision for her and, a, and kind of a shock for both of us. And in her prayerful listening, she decided to make the move and, um, let me know two weeks before she was going to move out that she'd be leaving. So I was in the middle of a trip to Mexico, uh, and a trip to Kauai. So it was a very busy time for me. And I just 
flipped into action like I do uh, sometimes uh, with the doing this and started posting for roommates on Facebook. And it hit me like, ugh, this just doesn't feel right. It's something about it did not feel right. And I got quiet and, you know, really for me, prayer is where I find my answers. And I just listened. And in that stillness, it hit me, wow, maybe I'm not meant to stay in this apartment either. And now let me just be clear. When I talk about this quote unquote apartment, what I'm talking about, um, I've lived in this apartment for seven years. I found it two weeks after I moved to LA from London and it's, amazing. Like it's the rent is probably $750 less than it should have been. Uh, I had floor to ceiling windows, seven feet stretch in my bedroom that looked out over Los Angeles. And because I was in what was considered Hollywood Hills West there, we were on a hill. And so being on the top floor of my building, uh, which was only a five story building, it looked like I was looking out from the 42nd floor of a skyscraper, um, had a patio, had beautifully, you know, the, the apartment was beautiful. I had made it my own over the years. Um, rooftop pool deck that had 360 degree views from the mountains to the ocean. We were right at the base of Runyon Canyon, which is the most popular hiking trail in Los Angeles. Um, like it could not have been a more perfect apartment. So for me to think of giving it up, like there's a part of me in my listening and my prayers where I was like, wait, 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 I'm not sure that's what I want to hear. <laughs> um, but it was what I heard. And what's even crazier is that there was no necessarily clear idea of here's where you're going and this is what's next. It was just, this isn't the right idea, finding another roommate. Um, so I knew I was going to have to let go of it. But I didn't know what I was stepping into yet, which was crazy. And I've had a lot of adventures in my life, but this is the first time where I've stepped into my adventure, not having any idea where the adventure was going. <laughs> um, so I gave my 30 days notice and had um, was for the month of November, I was actually only in my home for five days. So I have five days to go from living, you know, seven years in a place to being ready to leave. Um, I knew that we would go cross country. Carl and I were going to be spending the holidays with my family in Indiana. So I literally gave away everything I owned. If it didn't fit in my car, in the back seat or the trunk of my car, um, then it wasn't coming. So I gave away everything, uh, except a few clothes and memoirs and maybe like three books. And, um, Carl and I headed to Indiana to spend the holidays with my parent or my mom and my family. Um, I ended up giving my car to my mom because I had no use for it because what was calling out to Carl and I was to come to Southeast Asia and explore Bali and Indonesia and look at possibly living here. So this recording is actually being recorded, um, from an Island in Indonesia called Mombok. It's one Island East of Bali. And, uh, we're spending the month of January here as we prepare for one risk on the 30th, which we're flying back to LA for. P.S. 28 hour journey back to L.A. So, you know, one risk has got to be good if we're willing to do that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, this time has been one of listening. And I have to say, like, talk about living your dance. It's literally just the next song comes on. The DJ plays the next song and God's that DJ. And um, I don't know what's coming next. You know, uh, 
is Southeast Asia where we're going to end up? I don't know. Uh, we're listening, we're praying, we're exploring. And, uh, sometimes, you know, trips have a way of working in interesting ways. God absolutely works in mysterious ways. And where I'm at right now, and this is just today, but I don't know that Southeast Asia is the answer for us. And, uh, so we're praying and we're listening about, all right, what's the next song that's going to come on that DJ stand. And there have been little hints and inklings into what that looks like. And we're keeping that in a, in a prayerful place. So I'll leave it there for now. Um, but I just, there really is such beauty when you're willing to just leap and trust that the net's going to appear. Um, and I think maybe the greatest adventures of life are when we step into the unknown, which is one of the things that Carl, um, talks about so well, and which he'll be sharing about, um, with one risk. It's something that he has 16 years in coaching and that's a a huge part of, of the work for him, which is being in the unknown. And so often we're uncomfortable with the unknown, but in the unknown, that's, that's where the magic happens because that's infinite space. What we know is what we know. And that's this little tiny blip, right? (laughs) But the unknown is this huge, infinite, eternal, majestic unknown. I mean, you can't even encapsulate it verbally. Um, and so that's been kind of the adventure of, of our life the last couple of of, uh, weeks and months. And it has been intense, absolutely intense. I bet. Um, but beautiful. So yeah. That is so exciting, Katie. Thank you for coming back on to share that with us. And I'm, I'm Thank you. totally cheering you guys on and whatever that next step is. And one of the great metaphors, and I, I love this one. I actually learned it when I was learning two step, but my coach, my teacher was talking to me about how, if I'm split weight, if I have equal amount of weight on both feet and he's trying to lead me, he can't lead me. He's going to push me, You right? Oh, and so right, of we course. have to commit to one foot. We have to put all our body weight on one foot so that he's free to move the other foot and he places that foot. But I have to commit to that first foot without knowing where my next step is going to be. And I love that in everything. It's like I just need to commit to where I am right now and trust that my next step will be led to the next place and oh, wow. whatever that is. And it makes... That just gave me chills. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of my favorite metaphors and it's so true and it just, it lends itself to the spontaneity of whatever unfolds. And like you said, the, the dance is really the best when we don't plan it out, when we're able to be present in the moment, connected to our leader, capital L, or to whomever yeah. we're with. And... Um, and that, to me, just makes for the best magical moments. And it looks like you're in the middle of one right now, regardless of where it takes you. And maybe it'll take you back to L.A. or somewhere else in Indonesia or Asia. And who knows? But that's you're definitely living it. And that's what I love so much and wanted to share with my listeners. So thank you for living it so we can learn from it. Of course. Thank you, Molly. Love that analogy. This has been such a treat to have you with us one more time and a bonus to our listeners that they get kind of a a time lapse of Katie Walter over the last few months. So thank you. Thank you so, so much um, for this. I'm super excited. Bye. Bye, sweets. (laughs) And once again, if you can make it to L.A. on January 30th, Katie and her partner are hosting an amazing live event called One Risk, and feel free to check out more details on OneRiskOneHeart.com. 
and the last day for the 50% off registration is midnight on January 20th. So go hit them up soon, and I know they would love to see you. Tell them that I sent you, and I bet you'll get an extra special hug or high five or something else. Who knows? All right. Have a great night. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Like, share, and comment on the podcast or around social media. Hashtag live your dance and look forward to more episodes coming your way. Have a great day and be sure to live your dance.